59 at Radio Free America. This is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, America. It's another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. <laughs> And welcome everybody to our daily gun show. We come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern, nine Pacific, for about an hour. We talk about guns, panel discussion. Uh, coming up on episode number seven hundred here before too long, and uh, got a couple of people joining us tonight. We got a dog jumping in from Nevada. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. We got uh, Woods joining in from Washington State. Thanks for jumping in. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm down here in Tucson, so it's going to be West-centric. We should talk about things about the East Coast, mansplain how the East Coast is, or we should just talk about secrets of the West Coast, because we're all out here. But uh, tonight is Monday, so uh, normally we would talk about behind the scenes. Uh, on Mondays, we have sort of a theme to each day of the week. Tuesdays, we talk about Second Amendment stuff. Uh, Wednesdays is entertainment. And Thursdays is training. And then Friday is the industry. Uh, the overall goal of the show over those 700 episodes has been to uh, offer an alternative conversation to whatever is dictated by the established media, whatever uh, agenda-based news of the day is trickled down uh, with whatever intent or non-intent, but we have plenty of opportunity to hash through those kind of uh, topics. So this is always an alternative to that. Uh, I think we tend to be uh, tend to, to uh, what am I trying to say? Tend to go towards the nerdy rather than the frivolous most of the time. And uh, every once in a while, we get a group of people in and uh, have an excellent discussion. Well, for the last while now, we've been. Uh, kind of been a random panel discussion. Whoever wants to jump in from the gun channel side gets a link, and uh, that way the the group is always different and the uh, conversation follows. So uh, anybody who's watching this now or in the future who's interested in jumping in, let us know on the gun channel side, and we can send out links. Uh, right now we're using YouTube to provide the room for the live conversation but they are quickly going to become one of only many options. And, of course, we're going to jump to a more Second Amendment, a more gun, a more freedom-friendly uh, option, and uh, looking forward to those coming down. Uh, hopefully we'll see those sooner than later. Uh, anyhow, um, just trying to explain the show a little bit. I know it's a little bit redundant, but I'm not sure when people are listening to this show for the first time. I need to do some sort of... Uh, uh, recorded synopsis or little recorded blurbs and uh, play like, you know, one on Monday, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday and cover some of this stuff more concisely. Anyhow, so on Mondays, like I say, we uh, looking at the themes of the week. We uh, go behind the scenes and we usually talk about the nuts and bolts, how to run a project online, how to support, how to use social media. And I'm going to briefly talk about that and then we can uh, potentially schedule out some of the these shows going forward. Uh, I like to schedule these shows out ideally once a month, 
so that you know I can spend a day or so getting this show figured out and then you know this being one of my many projects kind of let this thing uh, just happen each night once it's scheduled out there's very little else to do uh, on the pre on the pre-show side so uh, one day I guess we could talk about what all there is involved in putting together a show like this and trying to get it out there but we'll talk about scheduling it we'll talk about topics like just kind of went through our daily themes and we'll uh, fill up some of the uh, upcoming shows but I'll take a break here and let you guys chime in uh, and then I'll like I say talk quickly about one of the projects we got coming up but um, I guess we didn't really break at the beginning what we used to do at the beginning of the show is break and see if anything happened overnight or over the weekend that was worth talking about or if you guys just want to start chatting about something I'll take a break from talking here well I mean I think what Woods, you said you have a list of uh, stuff for topics. If you want to jump into the planning segment, it sounds good to me. If it's okay, yeah. with, it's okay with you. No. no, I got a thing to do first before we start digging into that. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, I have a PSA for you. If you do a trial of any kind or find yourself shooting in a range, always triple check that you got all of your magazines because it really sucks coming home and realizing that you left one behind somewhere in the desert. So you left gifts for other people? Yep. So if you, do you guys mark your magazines? We do, but I don't know if one of the guys that was at the trial got it or if one of the brass collectors picked it up because when I went back, it wasn't there. Well, that'll happen, but I like to mark my mags so that they're mine, right? So that's, some people will put a separate mark. I just kind of let that happen with my new, my numbering because my numbering is different than other people's for sure. Uh, but then I number my mags. So if I get five new mags, they all get a number so I can kind of keep track. I'm not as into it as some people where they'll keep a, like a spiral notebook or even a log book or something, a more formal log book, and keep track of each round count in each mag uh, so that they can monitor when it's time to swap out the mag, uh, the spring. Uh, what do you want to switch a spring with? Eight to 10,000 rounds or something? Again, it depends on the person. Um, I don't know, some people, I guess it depends on the magazine too, what kind of gun it is. But anyway, the spring is a perishable part, so you want to keep that thing uh, working. Uh, anyway, some people keep track of that. And then, of course, uh, just general working ability of the mag. So once a mag gets trashed, you know, a follower might get changed or something, but uh, usually it'll go into my training pile, and then my good ones stay for, like, you know, real work. And then... Uh, uh, but like I said, I don't really keep it on a spiral notebook or nothing, but I'll take note. If I'm out shooting and one mag is glitching on me, then, you know, that mag gets taken out of the rotation and gets used for more, you know, so stuff where I don't care if a mag gets hurt. Yeah. But anyway, so if you mark them, then you got the potential. Somebody goes, oh, I found a mag out in the desert. You can say, hey, does it have like a... You know a five and a one on it or is you know i got a little triangle i do mine with like little shapes and stuff so it's just a little easier to figure out mine from somebody else so that you know just using like nail polish and a number four anyway you can describe it you know does it have paint marker on it is it you know orange yeah. paint marker and then somebody can go oh yeah i'll leave it here for you yeah i mean again it's uh it was my fault i thought i had picked up picked them all up when we finished running and apparently i didn't Pick them all up. So, stars remember, 
even if you think you double check, doesn't hurt to triple check to make sure you picked up all your mags. Right on. Well, so um, I'm going to be doing a series. I was watching Clover do some whiteboard stuff, and I used to do some whiteboard stuff, and it's pretty efficient for uh, some things. So I'm going to do a couple of um, quick, some, I, I've done these before, but some quick, I don't want to call them tutorials. I'm going to call them more like primers to give you some idea of um, the theory and then some step-by-step uh, -step and then some detailed into some of those steps, some details of those steps in order to build a sort of uh, guide or a how to a DIY for people that are interested in creating content. I still get questions, you know, and I don't get that many questions because I don't post videos that, um, you know, are talking about guns or anything where people bug me about, you know, what grips I'm using or what sites I changed out or anything like that kind of questions. But I'll get questions on how do you guys go live or how do you uh, start up this or you know, how do you monitor this, you know, multiple platforms things like that So uh, in order to answer those questions specifically for people that are already kind of you know in the midst of it But also I want to encourage people that are watching that aren't participating um, Not that we don't have enough people participating, but it's so simple and it's uh, there's lots of good reasons for it So I just want to make the barrier to entry small as possible uh, since you've already, if you're watching this on any platform, you've you've already created an account somewhere, whether it be on GunStreamer, on GunTube.org, or one of the other older platforms that suck and hate guns, uh, you've created a, a, a username and you've created an account. You understand the basics. All the other platforms are essentially the same. So uh, without getting into minute details about each platform, I'm going to just put together some like bullet points on each platform. Uh, for just the basics, like Instagram is photographs, Twitter is quick uh, messages to, uh, you know, in text mostly. Um, you know, Facebook is more of a community. Uh, YouTube is video. You know, just the basics like that for people, again, that might, you know, really have not a lot of concept about what's going on here to give them some uh, waypoints, you know, to kind of know what the playing field is and then uh, get them a little more comfortable on some of the platforms. They know what's out there and what you know they can give them some direction perhaps and uh, I think we all would do better having people know these tools uh, so that we're not at the mercy of a bunch of kids that are super savvy with this stuff and you know of course being kids at the mercy of the influence out there you know, the influencers so um, in order to have people who have good heads on their shoulders be part of the community influencers I think it's beneficial to have as many people as possible understand these tools so I'm going to be doing some workshops on that and the goal is to do some primers, like I say, to uh, just kind of describe uh, more, I guess, hopefully concisely, but also with some images and some uh, separate videos so that they can become archived over on Minuteman University and then GunStreamer in a playlist and that kind of thing. Uh, but to, uh, you know, have them there so that people can watch them in order or uh, watch, you know, have them there when needed. But then also follow up with workshops so that if there are questions or people have uh, points or something that aren't covered in the primers uh, to get into it and then of course record those so that people can then if they really get into this stuff can you know watch real people talking about it and having real conversations and hearing questions that they might not have asked and again hopefully that works to uh, get more people active with this stuff and you don't need to be the next Hickok you don't even need to be the next 
I don't know, Gary Gizzard, but you might want to, uh, again, be less intimidated by these devices that we carry around every day, be a little bit more fluent. Um, I went to a place called Penguin Tactical, just south, just south of the uh, Browning Museum in Ogden, Utah. We were coming back down towards Salt Lake City with Dead Horse, and we stopped by this place called Te Penguin Tactical, but Dead Horse hadn't been there yet. It was literally right off the road we were on. So we pulled over and checked it out, and they do Cerakoting mostly and sold some guns, but mostly modifications and uh, I imagine some sort of engravings and things like that, but mostly modifications to guns. There was this old guy, I posted it on Instagram, old guy holding a shotgun that, or picking up his shotgun that they had painted and uh, had like a Texas flag on it and uh, kind of a World War, or kind of a Vietnam uh, paint job on this old trench gun. And uh, it was cool as hell. And the guy was like, this is an old guy, a Vietnam vet. And he's like, hey, let me show you some pictures of their AR-15 they did for me, or one of the AR-15s they did for me, I think he said. And he proceeds to pull out his cell phone and just start whipping through pictures in his in his gallery. And I was like, sir, I applaud you. You're an old-ass guy. I didn't say it like that, but you know, you're an old-ass guy. You're just whipping through this phone like it's your bitch. I know, I don't know, 50, you know, 30-year-old people that can't do that or are intimidated by that. So uh, that was pretty inspiring. So if I can, uh, you know, get some other people out there to be a little bit less intimidated with their devices and the platforms that are out there, I think we all gain, right? So uh, people that are interested, I know there's people out there that are watching right now that are interested in helping people out like that. Um, once we've got these primers made and we get the workshop scheduled, if you know people that are kind of, you know, could use that kind of stuff, definitely let them know that these, these workshops are going to be out there. Uh, so they can participate or at least ask you questions that you can bring to us. Okay, so that's what I wanted to say is sort of, uh, you know, the Monday topic, and now we can get into uh, uh, future topics, I guess. Cool. Uh, Mr. Woods, do you want to kick it? All right, so um, I know that uh, GWEBS has been talking a lot about, like, we should be making a push towards uh, getting rid of the NFA. So, like, what would our first step be? I like that. That's a good topic. Have, like, an open battle plan? Yeah, like, where, where do we go after lunch? You know, how do we get that, get that rolling? You know, what's our, what's our, you know, in anything that's big like that, we've got to chunk it into smaller pieces. What's the first piece? Yeah, no, that, that, that would be, that's a, that's a nice big topic. And then the, the next one that I had was, I know uh, G-Webs and Smeggy and I, during the summer when I first joined, we were kind of working on a, a better 2A argument to the non-gunners, not the anti-gunners, because you're never going to convince them. But I would say the majority of people, at least that I know, that are fairly left, aren't against guns. They just don't care one way or the other. And so when you're making those arguments, you know, when you're having that discussion and not a debate, how to really work that out. And then Smeggy came up with a great idea of making some kind of playbook. So if they say this, then you can say that back. And then we also talked about a card that we could make where after you have that discussion, you could hand them a card and say, well, you made some really good arguments. I really appreciate the discussion, but you know, maybe you want to look up some of this information here. Um, and then kind of rolling on that. Um, you want me to keep going? No, you're only allowed to offer two suggestions. You <laughs> okay. But I guess since there's nobody else here, we'll take a third. Yeah, go for it, brother. Okay. So um, 
Another one is, so there's all these billionaires that are, that are, that are anti-gun. Is there a pro-gun billionaire? And why not? I think there is. I can't think of his name, but I think I remember hearing about that just recently because that's been a question before, but that's a good one. And then enough of them because there's a lot of billionaires. Yeah, and like you know, how do we how do we get them to maybe you know you know help us even more? Uh, maybe they don't know about you know some of the uh, some of the ideas that you know we're trying to get going. Um, another one is I know one that I'm interested in is. Like getting an FFL or um, like what are the con pros and cons? I know we have gun channel members that are, and I know some of us would be kind of interested in that. Um, and then one that was left over from the other day is 40 Cal dead. And then um, I know for myself, uh, a lot of when I was younger, I had to go with used guns. So something about used guns, pros and cons, like what, how to select them. I know there's a ton of those out there, but um that was an idea never a bad thing to retouch and those are the ones i have off the top of my head here all right oh, you had them written down you don't have them written down i did have them written down right here yeah oh, yeah uh, he and paste them to me so i'll have to write them down okay uh, um you know those are all great uh, inter uh introductory to uh, especially buying the used gun and i liked all the stuff you mentioned there about how to get a movement going uh you know in terms of some gear topics to, co to coincide with like is 40 dead uh whether or not to shoot with gloves and if so what do you buy specific shooting gloves or do you you know pick up stuff from the hardware store uh pros and cons of that i guess and then you know what do you carry when you can't carry a gun i think that's a topic that gets talked about a lot more often probably with women than with men, but it's something that everybody should uh, take into consideration. Or people that work at a school. Yeah. You know, what, what, what alternatives do you have within your, uh, within your limitations? Oh, and in the house hearing protection. Uh, that's that's the three that come off the top of my head, G. Right on. I am uh, trying to do too much stuff at one time here. There's a lot. Of, it's been a while since I updated this thing that I'm trying to write stuff on. All right. No problems. We're seeing that I don't see anything coming in from the uh, gun channel side. There's a couple of green dots over there, people that are active. Uh, got some people on the YouTube side, and they're talking about 1022 pistols but nothing about uh topics besides that all right well that's nice of them to have their own separate conversation i suppose uh, oh awesome you're writing down his too thanks oh. thanks pinewoods you're saving me the trouble of uh typing it uh yeah i mean so those are like so those are the topics that come to my mind right away, but I definitely like the uh, fact that you get about what he was talking about with how setting up an open platform plan to get rid of the uh, the NFA. I like that a lot. 
Well, I'm hoping that one's important too because I'm trying to not do the same things over and over again. That doesn't accomplish anything, and you know, I'm not creating. I'm not looking to create engines for revenue or you know just to get people riled up for nothing you know, our goal is to change right is to move forward have a future where the nfa is gone and our future generations don't have to make that fight anymore they can deal with whatever comes on down the road so um uh efforting to get more people involved in again like i was talking about at the beginning with the uh, whole 2a workshops and stuff uh, after going to the gun rights policy conference and seeing people that have accomplished great things with different levels of technical experience and expertise and knowledge and ambition um, and awareness that it takes the, the awareness that you're not going to need you don't need to change everybody's mind you don't need to educate everyone you don't need to tell you know everyone doesn't need to be doing the same thing but when we have so many people involved in the issue like we do, and we have so many resources within that population of people, you know, different skill sets and knowledge and everything, um, then if we were to uh, work together uh, and amplify each other's uh, messages and efforts, uh, we got some real potential. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So uh, having something that uh, you know, project or uh, a discussion that gets us towards a, a unified call to action, I think is pretty cool. You know, maybe it would be, you know, it's getting everybody together is one thing, getting the, the concept of everybody getting together at a periodic time to, to get together is one thing, but then additionally giving them some direction and some something to start with, that's, that's more, you know, it's better. Yeah. I know I'd really appreciate the thing you were talking about where there'd be the workshops to help somebody like myself that I've been at my gun channel since the summer, but I haven't really created any content or anything. And I, I, I kind of always kind of wanted to, but it's a little, I'll be honest, like you were saying, it's a little intimidating for me. I know that the mach machines are for 14 year old girls, but it, me and electrons have never gotten along. But, you know, if I, if I felt like I, you know, had some guidance on it, I think I could do a lot better job and I'm, I'm certainly not alone. Oh yeah, and that's the thing, and it's just a matter of first half being people interested in it, and you know everybody's going to be interested at some point and not interested at others. But it's just that if there was something there that when you're interested or when you need it, you can gain that skill. You know, it's like riding a bike or something. You don't have to be interested in bikes your whole life to know how to ride a bike, and for the rest of the time you can ride a bike. You know, it might take you a minute to get back on the path, but you're going to figure out how to ride a bike right away again. So if we can get people past that hurdle of, eh, the internet's for them, or the internet's for other people, or the internet's to whatever, get get past that. Then when it's like, oh, I need to, I want to share this, or I need to do this, it's just click, 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 and it's on Instagram. Not, oh, I need to call my nephew, or I need to go online and see if so-and-so has a minute to help me do this. That's what I'm just, I just want to see that barrier gone. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, so it's a matter of hopefully doing some workshops and getting enough people together that there's, you know, some questions and that it's not just a lecture. There's nobody wants to watch a lecture after the fact, at least I wouldn't. So I imagine too many people are just interested in yet another lecture out there on how to use it. And besides, if we're talking about two ways specifically, 
you know, just anybody can go watch a lecture on how to use Instagram. We're talking about, you know, the nuance of, you know, with this, with a photograph about a firearm, for example, you can't put anything in the description, you know, that might have anything to do with uh, prices or sales or anything like that, where, you know, just a plain old lecture on how to use Instagram probably isn't going to discuss anything like that. Definitely. Um, yeah, man, that, that what you just said there about like the Instagram and everything, uh, you know, that actually is another potential topic to talk about is whether or not people are presenting the Second Amendment responsibly when they use social media. You know, uh, for example, the we you know we have instances all the time of people doing uh, what I think most of us would agree are dumb lack of common sense things. And it's up to the rest of us who want to present the Second Amendment in a positive way to do that effect effectively. Um, so that way we can't be misconstrued. Amen. We got to get rid of the word libertard and things like that. We got to get rid of it. It doesn't help us. I think you guys are talking about two different things, but they both have their validity. Well, the thing is, you can't stop people from being yahoos. But what you can do is, well, at least from my opinion, you can quit worrying about the low-hanging fruit. So where do you draw that line with gangsters being weird? They were just talking about that. Was it today or yesterday? The gangsters playing some gang or game where uh, they point a gun at each other and yell something. And I don't think they shoot each other, but they point guns at each other. And that's obviously weird. So... Um, you know that is that you know does that represent gun owners you know most of us are going to say no but if you're not the gun owner you're that person in the rest of the country that just stands around not caring about guns i guess and they're looking from 21 feet away i don't know what do they think gun owners are you know it's somebody with a gun in their hand so you know they're going to consider that a gun owner so do we need to be concerned we're certainly never going to get to that gangster and say hey there's five rules or four rules or three rules of gun handling, right? So anyway, I'm just saying yeah. that if we don't worry about it, if we just acknowledge that there's going to be yahoos and that we don't have to be responsible for every yahoo just because there's yahoos, um, I don't know. But again, but, at the same time, you don't want to just go like, yeah, do what you're going to do. Well, that's my point. Uh, when you were talking about knowing how to use the platforms like Instagram, and stuff that's what i mean by that because you're right when we're never going to make we're never going to get rid of yahoos being yahoos but we can't complain if the yahoos are the only ones putting a message out there that's, that's all I brilliant say. yeah exactly and that's another way to another strategy right is to just shadow them just to dwarf them i guess whatever the word is with good content and that i don't know if i've ever said it that way but that's the perfect way of saying it like if we had 99% great content, then yeah, there's going to be yahoos, but they're going to be muffled. They're no, no one's going to ever see them. They're going to have to search them out where you know, there's going to be so much other valid content, which is really what it is right now. There's a lot of good, solid 2A content out there. Safe and responsible and all that. Yep. I like what you put, what you have out there, Woods, about the traveling with guns. That's almost something that I'd like to see if uh, we like incorporate that into when G when uh, you have people to talk about their states. Mm -hmm. Make it well, like 
And then nobody knows more about it than G. He's traveled all over the place. Like I would, I wouldn't know. Like I know that I can't go to Oregon with my concealed weapon permit because they don't have reciprocity. But I can go to Idaho. But beyond that, I have no idea. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons. Uh, one of the things I'm hoping to be able to do. One of the reasons I uh, take some pictures and stuff that I do is even when we started back in '12, driving around from state to state. One of the concepts or one of the goals would be to talk about the reciprocity in each state do a video about that reciprocity and what the differences are um but time is you know it's only 24 hours in a day but uh traveling with guns is something that we've talked about quite a bit you know 700 episodes that's something we've come we've done multiple times whether it be flying or driving because it's definitely different but uh thing is I sort of cheat you know except for Illinois which is right in the dang middle and it's up and down you know it's sort of like a big anti-gun barrier in the middle of the country but most of the time I travel with firearms it's in gun-friendly states and my CCWs get me into I have reciprocity basically with every good gun-friendly state minus the nine jerks so uh or maybe it's more than 14 or something. I think it's some whatever, but it's uh, quite a few of the states that I travel in. It's no issue. The one thing I do have to deal with, or I've had to deal with, is whether or not there's a duty to inform, so or a duty to declare. So that's an issue, I guess. But I don't get pulled over, so it hasn't been an issue. But um, yeah, that is something that I think is worth uh, chatting about. And then, of course, flying or just getting into the nuance of it, you know, safes or lock boxes, um, you know, different methods of carry. If you're going to be going from a museum to a hotel, might be different than going to a training class or something. Uh, understanding what the airport can ask you to do versus what they can't ask you to do. Right. We talked about, you know, the different airports are more familiar and less familiar. So knowing where you fly in and that kind of thing. Like when we travel from Tucson to Salt Lake City, it was effortless. They both are really comfortable with guns. It's no big deal. Tucson to Vegas, nothing, right? They're both real comfortable with guns. Start going east, though, and you get into airports where they're not so familiar with guns. Sometimes, not always. But anyway, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff there. And it, I don't know. At some point, um, um, one of the things I'll put a call out here for in a minute is some help. But um, I, you know, I, I don't. I'm not. My interest isn't in just having a show that goes on and on forever or projects that go on and on forever. I do want them to grow and, and expand and get more better. So, um, uh, you know, we want to have. I guess I'm getting as I'd like to have. Uh, interviews with some of the gun shops and I visited at least hundreds of gun shops at this point maybe not hundreds but at least a hundred gun shops at least more um, so there should be enough to uh, enough uh, gun shops in there to have some of them on as guests and talk about their shops and um, the locations and the customers and the history of these shops and that'll take uh, you know some segments from the show but um, as we bring some of these people on some of them will be experts and we can bring some of these topics up i guess what i was getting at is we can bring up some of these topics that we've hit multiple times already ourselves and our other versions of the show uh but bring you know some new spin to it see you know it might be neat if we're going to have some guests on to have a set of 10 questions and show those questions to them and say these are the 10 questions we ask everybody if you would pick two of them that we'll talk about and then it's just neat i think 
we've done that project before. We've done that concept. I think we've done that concept before, where we where we ask the same question to a lot of people, and then when you put all their answers together, it's interesting to see the different ways they interpret the question and answer it. All right, let me else ask you. I got to drink something. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that would be great, especially, you know, if you're able to actually have real gun shop owners uh, doing interviews, I think that'd be awesome. I've, I've never, you know, gun shop, it's funny, gun shop owners are a lot of times portrayed as being kind of quiet, but I think that it'd be great to get some of them in a, letting them know they're in a friendly environment where they could open up and talk about the business. Um, you know, I always find that you get the most interesting stories from people who work in gun shops. So I have a kind of a stupid question. Is that like you'd go inter you you go interview them or they jump into a chat like this? A chat or the phone more than likely. I doubt many of them are gonna be savvy with hangouts. I mean I'm sure some of them will, but thinking phone or whatever is easiest for them, but just to have some sort of an audio interview. Okay, so my follow-up question, is there a way that we can make like a a guest uh hangout persona for them? I don't know what that means. Like they have to talk in a voice and they wear a no, no. Actually, that, that wouldn't be too hard to do. You just have to create a, uh, an, a an account with Google that you would like name your name your guest if they didn't want to use their own personal uh, Google uh, Hangout or whatever. If you're, as what you're, I think you're getting that. Oh, an anonymous login that they could use. I never yeah. thought about that, but I haven't had that particular concern yet. You mean like they want to not log in with their name or something? Yeah, I, I think yeah, that's or, or they just, or they just weren't real. Maybe they were comfortable enough to give it a shot, but they didn't know a lot about it. Maybe they're older or whatever, and we could, you know, just have Gun Channel guest is, and you could use the same one for multiple people. Yeah, that's interesting. I never had that. I never encountered that yet, but I imagine it's a thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Never thought about that. Uh, I know we've t we've talked a lot about you know uh, prepping over the over the years, and there's tons of prepping channels out there. Uh, how do I put it? I guess it would be it'd be good to talk about you know uh, gadgets versus skills. You know where 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 do the skills need to be before you concern yourself with gadgets? Right on. You're talking specifically for gear, though? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, your med kit is worthless if you don't actually know how to use the contents in it. No, that's not true, but I hear what you're saying. A med kit specifically is valuable when you have it attached to you because somebody else can have those skills. In fact, somebody else has to have those skills. If you're dead, they have to come along and, you know, apply them to you. So Fair uh, I know what you mean, like having a fire building kit or a compass is pointless if you don't know what to do with it, because unless you're going to keep handing your stuff to somebody else here. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're definitely be doing more on gear and stuff coming up, but um, I think that applies to guns, too. I've just recently been listening. I think we talked about it last week. I've been listening. I was listening. I consumed a bunch of the Jaeger podcasts. Uh, anybody has opinions about Lake Jaeger, I've already invited you to leave. 
Uh, most of you don't know him if you do have opinions on him. And uh, he's a heck of a good human being, a good dude. And uh, he plays with YouTube, uh, and I respect that. And, uh, you know, the people that have the most to say about Jaeger don't take his classes and uh, have no idea of what he's actually offering people. And uh, and it's interesting. So anyway, uh, his his experience or his network, I guess, the people that he's trained with has given him, a, you know, a, a level of, uh, I don't know what to call it, like his peers are immense. You know, he has a lot of peers, I guess is the way to say it. So when he has people on the show, they all know a bunch of these people. So it's just a, it's an insight to the training community, the people that have created firearms training uh, that's, I suspect, unique. So uh, if you look at the entire spectrum of firearms training, like literally all firearms training, you know, it didn't exist until there was firearms. And then firearms didn't change all that much until Browning. So, you know, firearms existed and they basically sat around looking the same through freaking wars and wars and decades and decades till Browning comes along and takes us from like, you know, single shot guns to machine guns in a one generation. And then you come out of Browning's era with, uh, you know, coming from single action revolvers coming through to 1911s. So training, which didn't even hardly exist after the Civil War, people figured out, hey, let's let's start figuring out how to shoot better. Uh, I guess a little bit in the you know prior campaigns, but for the most part, you can trace training, especially modern firearms training. None of that is is uh, speculation or lost to the to the time or anything all of that is highly documented these people are still alive so when you start seeing you know the original weaver and um and uh clint smith and you know the uh, people that created all of this stuff um anyway so jaeger's trained with all these people that have either invented or been part of you know modern firearms training or like the first generation of their students who've come out and developed and adapted and stuff and he has such an open mind and like warriors mindset at all this stuff he treats it so much like a martial art that when he has conversations with them it's not hyped it's not to sell you anything it's not to, to unnecessarily congratulate anybody it's just a, like i say an insight into the way that they have conversations off off air i guess or off camera uh because it is kind of off camera jaeger's not you know he's doing it for his his tactical response alumni really and uh the podcast is for anybody can listen to it but it's focused at these guys so these guys are all pretty dedicated uh training uh, uh what we call students i guess so um anyway really interesting stuff from like a warrior's mind mindset and talking to people who are you know he has unprecedented um access to people that developed modern firearms training so it's really interesting listening to those podcasts and and i'm going to be uh probably i'm just all psyched up on that stuff so i'll probably be incorporating a bunch of those topics into the coming shows as well yeah I know. one of those things that's so easy to just say you know i know what it is and blow it off i mean because i've seen it it's not like you know i'm not just saying that i've been around for a while and millions of people, or well, not millions, but at least 
tens of thousands of people go, I think I know what it is, and they blow it off and emulate it. But, you know, the same way that a little kid playing with trucks is, you know, emulating construction, there's such nuance and like, you know, layers of intric intricacy to, to what's going on that just miming their actions is not the same as understanding what all those people are doing when they're going through a routine or something and people that talk about clearing stuff and uh, it's just it's crazy the kind of stuff that's that's that it goes on and it's something that i think it's it's just always going to be frustrating there's always going to be people at different levels of uh knowledge and, and expertise and interest and everyone's going to be changing so it's just one of these things that you know we'll have to learn how to uh, I don't know. It'll it, anyway. So there's a lot to it. So the, it's it's. I don't want to. I don't. I'm not going around in circles trying to say. Um, it's a tough thing. There's a lot of people that'll that'll put videos out and with the best of interests, but if they haven't experienced some of the techniques and the um, skills to coach, then the stuff that they're putting out is just it's nothing it's not it's 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 probably just short of bad advice i guess well i think it we one of the things that you you hit on in a chat just a couple days ago last week was about you know it's easy to think you're mimicking something physically but there's so much going on that you can't just see from the mental side of things and that's where having someone like Jaeger uh, and his resources of people that he's worked with and everything else and their pool of experiences really makes a difference. Yeah, and like just the difference between a military mindset on something and, uh, and a non-military and the difference between a police and a civilian or you know, a contractor and uh, something else. So, you know, just like medical, like, you know, how often does a medical or how often does a... Uh, CCW type class include a step to diagnose to um, I guess not diagnose what's the word uh, assess if you've got if you were wounded in this situation you know a lot of times you know you 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 train for the scenarios or you train for the actual fun stuff the 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 gun play but you know rarely do they go beyond that too much other than to then talk about maybe um, when the police show up or whatever, but I don't know, I've been to a lot of classes and, you know, they don't all forget it, but a couple of them, well, most of them probably don't bring up anything about assessing your own medical condition and under the stress and excitement and everything. I mean, even if you just, I've, I've walked past stuff at Home Depot and gashed my leg pretty bad, you know, like you just don't notice it sometimes when you injure yourself, especially under massive stress. So, getting a shot it's not un, un, uh, unprecedented for somebody to get a gunshot and not realize it especially one that's not immediately fatal obviously right or like i say whack into a cabinet or have some glass break and have a big gash that they're not aware of and maybe it's not fatal but sometimes it can be pretty bad and you're just not aware of it yet your, your tunnel vision hasn't opened up to tell you you're in massive pain yeah you know your body does an adrenaline dump you're you lose a lot of that sense and just something like that if you never incorporate that into your drills or your uh, scenario stuff then 
you don't know that you're not doing that and you don't need to do that every time but on the other hand military guys are never going to forget that you know they're in a whole different situation they're in a situation where if they're not taking that into account they're dead there's not an ambulance three minutes away or whatever a phone call away so you know it's just different different angles different mindsets different perspectives coming at it and Anyway, so there's a lot to it, and I'll be probably talking about some of that just like I say, because I've been digging into those podcasts, and it's just neat to listen to these guys, like I say, from that that uh, that vantage point of fly on the wall, listen to this conversation between peers that are at that level, uh, chatting about stuff that's sometimes pretty awesome, and then other times just kind of trivial, fun stuff, but it gets, again, puts it all into perspective. These are just regular human beings. It's just that their areas of expertise happens to be gunfighting. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit on something really good in what you just said about, you know, a lot of classes talk about the the incident itself and then, you know, what happens when the police arrive. Uh, I can tell people out there that, you know, I don't care if it's a five-minute response time or a 20-minute response time to when police arrive. That time period between your shoot and police arriving can feel like an eternity if you don't know how to walk yourself through the psychological side of things, much less the physical side. And um, if you've never even considered that time, right? If like I, for example, I've been to classes that are CCW classes and I've been to, and I've been to bad CCW classes. I've been to CCW classes that were in the middle. And then I've been to CCW classes that were borderlined. Like you could almost call it like a tactics class or like, a, you know, defensive pistol type of class or something but um then i've taken something like front sight where there's lectures and stuff and they take it to a whole nother level like masada you with the lectures and the range time oh yeah whole nother level of um perspective and scope so you know and it's all about time and it's all about instructor knowledge i guess but also curriculum you know if you're taking a hundred dollar class don't expect to get everything you're going to get some slice of the high or a maybe an overall perspective but you're not going to get an in-depth look at each slice of the pie so um some of the larger classes that take like four days will take a look at the whole pie and then start digging into the slices of pie you know hours at a time and uh you know we we're talking about a fast class where they just have time to get some you know hours worth of stuff india you know they're not going to necessarily bring up um all those different possibilities including medical but you know that time between like you say the actual inter in the force incident and the time that the uh, law enforcement arrives yep um front sight has an awesome awesome presentation on that i don't know if it changes over time or not and i haven't taken their stuff in a long time but uh, it was it was awesome because at that time I was still new to everything and experiencing the the variety of of perspective and scope that everybody was bringing to it as far as instructors and curriculums and front sight is a big giant place right out where you're at I'm sure have you ever been there yeah I'm, I'm I actually have a lifetime membership I just hardly ever go because of the fact because that I'm right there, of course yeah um, but uh, so you understand it's like a really 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 nice. I would say, well, I can't say that. I mean, it's still impressive. It's probably better than any range most people have been to. 
and they just there are better ranges in the country but i mean it's top 10 for sure maybe oh. top five but top 10 for sure especially after they did their expansion well yeah but still it's in the middle of nowhere that's going to knock at some points and it's front oh. site that knocks at some points but it's it's the facilities are, are impressive um dang what was i getting at what was i saying how impressive their facilities are um oh because i was saying that uh when you take a four-day defensive handgun class there they've got a whole catalog classes and if you become a life member you can just start taking classes anytime you feel like getting there so uh the four-day class is sort of their introduction there might be something more basic if you really want to ease your way in but that's probably where most people are going to start and it's four days and uh they basically copied the curriculum off a of gun site so they had an established you know working curriculum and then uh did the i don't know what they call like the technique well woods is in here maybe you know where you do stuff for two hours and then you sit and do lecture for two hours then you go back on the range and do stuff for two hours then you sit in the lecture for lunch and then you go back and you do stuff for two hours then you're back in the lecture for two hours is there a name for that sort of cycle yeah I, i'm not aware of it i'm sorry uh, oh, but anyway that 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 technique well, i've been to other places where they just do the whole range or the whole class out on the range i really haven't been to one where it's all classroom but anyway there's different methods of you know getting lecture and class into the same things i guess i've been to classes where lecture one day or two days even and then two days on the range kind of thing but they are there and they have their their uh facility to where they can do it that way anyway what i'm getting at is you take these um lectures and they're in this giant metal building with uh giant tv screens like uh auditorium almost except it's a metal building and uh and they have these lectures and one of their lectures was what i was actually getting at which was um uh the whole uh what to what to expect when the police arrive and the way that they broke it down i'm going to try to remember it after almost 10 years but you know when the, you've got different types of police officers and they're human beings right and they've all been on the clock for a different amount of time when you talk about the kind of um calls that a police officer is going to get you know around town or whatever uh, a, a gun incident is a type of call that's unique to uh you know cat in a tree or a you know donut shop on fire or whatever other kind of call they might get right so got to think about what kind of cop is the first to show up to a gun incident and that's probably going to be your cops that want to be the first to show up at a gun incident right not your sergeants who have seen it all and are experienced and you know they're going to get there eventually but they're going to let their hot to trot cops who want to get to be the first one at a gun incident get there first right yep. you swap cops you're up and coming whatever and and i haven't been to a class before that ever you know took it to that level and i was like wow you know so that's the kind of thing when if you haven't experienced that kind of thing you know how do you explain to somebody how a four-day class is going to be when it's little pieces like that every couple hours dropped on you like you know if you're not taking good notes you don't even remember all the cool little things that come up and and make you rethink like okay so when people are having discussions about what it's going to be like when the police show up yeah let's talk about realistically what it's going to be like when the police show up like, you know, you're going to potentially have cops coming from six different directions, all shouting, you know, conflicting orders at you. Like, good luck trying to scenario that or, you know, play that out ahead of time. 
like you know you just got to be ready for all that so that's where i think we started this whole thing where you know if you've been to a competent or thorough enough instruction and in, in training then you have at least had the experience you've been told about some stuff that you won't be experiencing things for the first time so just knowing that little kernel that the you know about the police and how they're going to show up if anything ever were to happen you just have that little bit more knowledge that little bit extra insight to the whole thing just because you've heard about it before and that's that kind of uh stuff that it's tough to to explain how awesome training can be when you know sometimes it's as subtle as that kind of thing yeah Here's, here's an interesting one. Training for the family would be an interesting topic. Like, at what point do you start taking your kids to training if that's something you wanted to do? Well, I'm not selling gun sight, but, yeah, they definitely have a class with all family. Well, sort of I, I, I know those services are out there. My point is that I would, I'd be curious because I, I, I don't have any kids of my own. I just have an army of nieces and nephews. Uh, but I think it'd be interesting to hear from some of the parents out there at what age would they think about taking their kids into that? I remember when I was first told, like, there's the shotgun. If you need it, use it, but don't screw around with it. Otherwise, I just don't remember what year of school I was in. But I remember getting told that and knowing, like, okay, I just graduated to the level of I got to take out bad guys if, you know, grandma's in here and it's just me and grandma protecting grandma now i'm not you know i've been taken off the leash like i'm i'm allowed to touch a gun if i have to kind of thing yeah. well I mean, that's like training that's just like kind of like going over gun safety with your kids at home but i mean like at, at what point do you think okay i'm going to take my son to a gun sites class or to a front sight class something like that well that's the kind of thing that i think is interesting because i didn't it existed but it would have been in the first 10 years of it of firearms training like the first firearms training class was guns or school was gun site right so we know 1971 or whatever when the first training school happened so before that there just was none and except for military and police or whatever so um you know it took a little while before it was even a thing and it was more than just competitive shooters you know shooting or learning how to improve their skills type of thing and it was like you know became an actual what do you call that like discipline i guess of yeah. like combat shooting so uh i don't know if i would have ever been able to do it but nowadays there's no excuse i mean not only like you say there's multiple uh instructors offering instruction for the family and the plug jaeger's thing he's got a deal going where uh you are an adult and a kid under 18 take the class together and uh you know that sounds perfect for a mom and her daughter or a kid and as a parent and her kid or whatever, or a parent and a, or I mean, an uncle and a kid or something. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like I say, Front Sight has them. I'm sure other places, I'm sure Gun Sight has them. So, uh, you know, that's something that nowadays people have it. There's got to be reviews out there from both kids and adults' perspective on it. And uh, probably some live chats, right? So nowadays it's something that you don't even have to wonder what the experience is like. I'm sure there's some amount of info out there. And, uh, I don't know. As far as the age, I would say it's the kind of thing that back in the day you would have just had to guess, I suppose, you know, kids level of maturity. But nowadays you've got 
people who have done it already been there and done that they can not only you can not only read what they've done or watch what they've done but then also probably contact them and ask a couple of questions you know my kid is great but every once in a while you you know can't pull a nine you can't shoot a nine millimeter like should I <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I, th I think that'd be really interesting because we have lots of parents over on gun channels. It'd be nice to hear, you know, some of their thoughts on when they either decided to do this themselves or, you know, at how old they think they would start. I think that'd be really cool. I'm always stuck on uh, weighing the costs of some of the really good ones, you know, because you know, I've got to try to convince the wife to spend $2,000 on something like that. Um, I think that would be interesting to figure out, you know, um, what the pros and cons are for people. Cause I certainly not alone on that. $2,000. What are you talking about? $2,000. Well, the one you just talked about for, uh, the four day defensive handgun cost $2,000. Oh, it got at front sight. Yeah. All right, here's front sights thing. They're crazy and they are weird. So I'm not even going to get into the craziest and weirdest stuff. That's a whole nother discussion. But their marketing, I'm just going to say it's unique to be polite because they're not bad people, I don't think. But their marketing is unique and odd. So, yeah, those retail prices are there for the bait and switch. Or I don't know what that's called. It's not really a bait and switch uh, for, like, the big discount thing. Anyway. Here's the long story short. You never have to pay for a class at Front Sight. I have a stack of certificates from working with them in the past, so I can send people there for a long, long time for nothing. But, I've, uh, Dog, how much was your lifetime membership? Uh, I can't disclose that on air. So it was not that much? It, let's just say I got a heck of a deal. Yeah, so the deal is with Front Sight, it's not a pyramid scheme because I, I don't believe it is, but it is the kind of thing where it's like a it's like timeshares. Like there's only 100 rooms in the hotel, but you can sell a million rooms timeshares because only 1,000 people or 100 people are going to show up at a time. Uh, Front Sight has a whole bunch of memberships. Yeah, and people don't all show up at the same time, so they can have a whole bunch of memberships. And anyway, whatever they're posting is as a retail price, you're not going to pay anywhere near that once you dig in and find somebody who's a member or whatever. You can get there way cheaper. And I'll tell you this, that if you get your CCW through them, there's all kinds of connections and stuff. And you're, the likelihood you're never going to pay retail if you get, actually get your CCW through them. No, they just put retail there to, I don't know, for tax reasons or to make it look like a big deal. But So it sounds like a good topic might be reasonable costs for you know gun classes what is too much and what is not enough because I, I don't know anything about any of it almost always like 100 to 200 a day so somewhere around there uh, I find that the biggest thing you you're gonna pay for classes is your travel is gonna cost you more than the class usually travel and ammo for sure yeah because you're only paying a nominal fee to the instructor and what you're gaining and a lot of times especially if you appreciate the instructors you're going to you're paying for time a slice of the time of their life so clint smith we're crying out loud you're going to spend a few days with clint smith like that's not fan worship that's legitimate second amendment history you know, spending time with masada you is 
amazing. It is not just like, oh, I seen Brad Pitt. Screw that. Like, it is not that. It's like being able to hang out with Washington or Jefferson or something like these guys freaking invented sports like IDPA and shit or IPSC or whatever it is. You know, they, they created schools, they created curriculum, they created methods that then people, you know, they created framework that people developed what we got today. Uh, they saved so many lives. It's crazy. So these guys are, you know, authors since we've been around. So I guess in that respect, they're celebrity, but, you know, authors of like how to, you know, what it's like being an expert witness in all these hundreds of court cases or like, you know, what, what, you know, after studying wound ballistics or whatever, here's what really works or something like these are that kind of authors. So anyway, being able to say that you trained with some of these guys is is just neat. I mean, it's just like, you know, saying you flew with an astronaut or something, you're paying for, a, a, you know, some time out of their uh, whatever, you know, time. Uh, for those of you who aren't really into gun history, just to put what G's saying into some perspective for you, it would be like getting to sit down with Chuck Norris or Bruce Lee, you know, and talk to them about martial arts and fighting or, you know, being able to talk to pick your sport, somebody like John Madden about football. You get, you're learning from those kind of historically great people throughout the industry. I think that's what you were getting at, G. Yeah. <clears throat> Something that's just neat. So you'd be able to hang, say, yeah, like, you know, get a pilot, take a pilot's class or take a pilot's class with uh, Scott Glenn or something. All right. All right. Well, so with that, we will uh, feature a gun shop today. Just going to go over to Instagram and see what the last one I featured over there. I haven't featured anybody new, but I did feature the uh, buttons. So let's go look at these buttons. So, uh, P226 Nut is this one dude that lives in Tulsa. He can't figure out if he's a knife maker, or if he's a gun collector, or what's going on. He's transitioning. But uh, aside from his lifestyle, he has been attending gun shows, specifically that Wanamaker gun show for a long time uh, since he's a little kid. So he started collecting these or acquiring these, uh, accumulating, I guess is the word, these badges. It doesn't sound like he was much of a collector, but since he's been going all the time, he just started throwing these things in a drawer or something. And knowing that I'm crazy for gun shows in general and digging that show, he gave me his collection of them. So I got all these in the van. And uh, uh, this is on the counter at the hotel there that year. Uh, I guess that was earlier this year? Or was that? Yeah, that was earlier this year. Um, this was just when he gave them to me. We stuck them all down on the uh, counter there. And we're kind of going through them and putting them in order chronologically. And uh, took a couple of pictures of them in a big, you know, uh, just sprawled out like this. So anyway, just a reminder to let people know that the show is coming up. It is the biggest gun show of the year, and or the biggest gun show in the United States. It happens twice a year in Tulsa, and uh, got uh, probably 10 or more people from gun channels this year <clears throat> heading over there. So uh, look forward to some live stuff happening at the show. Plenty of uh, reviews and stuff happening after <clears throat> the gun channels content creators get media passes. They work with the show. 
and uh, they use this as a bit of uh, training wheels when they're first, you know, getting their teeth cut and doing booth reviews and, and chatting with people as far as holding a camera and offering some coverage. And then, uh, you know, a couple of them like Clover and Ghost have been going like three or four times now. So they're they're going to be getting old hat with it and hopefully digging in and getting a little bit more um you know, layers of interest, you know, layers of uh, covering the show. Anyway, so stay tuned to all of that. Gun gals will be there, a couple of them. Well, yeah, a couple of them. And, uh, you know, taking it from a gal's point of view, which is always cool. And, uh, again, they're newer to the whole uh, walking around with a camera type of thing. I personally find it interesting to see people develop that way. And we can all learn from, you know, their experiences and hopefully all offer them some you know, mansplaining their chicks for crying out loud. They don't know what they're doing. So, uh, you know, so we got gun channels for us so we can mansplain to all these girls. Anyway, that's the Wanamaker show, Wanamaker show. Um, if you haven't been to it, I'd say check it out sometime. Uh, it's in a way better than SHOT Show. Uh, if you're a content creator, I'd say SHOT Show is better uh, just because you're going to build a network and it's an industry thing and it's cool to be able to go to it. But, um, if you're just regular, don't you know? You're not looking at filming anything. You just want to experience something awesome as far as firearms. It's an it's a cool gun show. Have you guys, either one of you, have been to it? Huh? No, I have uh, sadly not had the opportunity to make it to Wanamaker. I don't think of any in Vegas that are that big. There's really not. No, Sh Shot Show is really the only really big thing we get uh, in terms of that out here. Well, you get some big gun shows, but they're in, like, uh, I guess the one's a convention center, but it's not that big. And it's, then, it's not compared to Wanamaker, no. Well, you got that antique show that happens, right, with the SHOT Show. And yeah. if they put that into, like, a convention center, it could be a chunk of Wanamaker. It could definitely be one of the largest gun shows in the country, but they divide it up into at least three or four rooms over there in the, uh, what was the name of that one? I guess now it's in the, well, it used to be the um, Hilton, the Elvis Hilton. I don't know what it's called now. Wynn or something. Yeah, the Wynn Hotel. But, uh, you know, they're they're just, their convention center is crappy. It's little and it's like chopped into four or five rooms instead of one big room. They just, you know, they built it over the series of years. So it's not one big room. Anyway, that, that would be a fun show to see in one big room. Have you been to that show before? No, uh, sadly, when Shot Show rolled around since I moved here, I've been out of the state when it comes through. Not Shot Show, the antique uh, Vegas. Yeah, the, and the antique show happens like the weekend after, and yeah. I've, been, I've been gone each year. So that I'm one is supposedly, year. The, supposedly the longest running show in Vegas or in uh, Nevada, and that's pretty neat. But uh, it's antique guns exclusively, so there's no beef jerky or anything like that. It's just antique guns, which is neat because it's everything from old engraved weird stuff to um, maybe the beginning of like the Civil War or something. But then it's not much. There's hardly any World War One or two. It's really pre World War One and stuff. So it's just a unique gun show that way. But it's also huge. It's like an entire big gun show, but just that old stuff. And it's just neat to walk around because most of them are just got the stuff on their table. They're trading and collecting. It's a bunch of old timers. And uh, uh, anyway, that part's really neat. And then it's a custom knife and knife maker show is the other half of it, I'd say. 
and uh, that part's just neat. I mean, seeing all the knife materials and the knives themselves and the fanciness of the engraving and whatever is all super neat. But like I say, it's in what, four big rooms or something. So by the time you wander through it all, yeah, you know, it just seems like a lot of wandering where it'd be kind of neat to see all that in one giant room. Like I say, it wouldn't be as big as half a Wanamaker altogether, but it would be a fairly impressive gun show. Um, so I guess that was not really a gun shop of the day, but every once in a while we talk about gun shows too. Let's see if anybody's saying anything out here. Pink is talking about it. I want to go there and finally do a Jaeger class. Move closer than Dano. Yeah. Dano's been to a few classes now. Um, I went to Front Sight first, then Jaeger, but I would not recommend it in that order. Front Sight is okay. I mean, it's good, but it is... It is... Uh, it is... Um, It's USA Today compared to like talking to a college professor. It's 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 boiled down, plain vanilla, low salt, gluten free version of training. It's good and it's it's got a lot of good stuff in it, but it's pretty training wheels. How many of the classes have you taken over there? I've done let's see here. I did two by myself and one with the wife. Uh, handguns all the time? Yeah. Uh, when, I've, I've been meaning to go back since now the rifle range is open again so that we can do that. Uh, but I haven't had a chance where me and the wife's schedule have met up so I can take us both. I, you know, again, I they're not the most, uh, they're not as detailed from what I understand of like Jaeger's classes. But they're definitely Jaeger's different. Jaeger's is like Jeet Kune Do and they are like going to ninja school like they they do neat stuff in front say but it's well, not not fast you do fun stuff in the classes uh and it's in my opinion they do a, they focus a lot on the mechanical side of things i guess would be the way i'd put it you know it's a lot of step step one step two step three right well that's all mm -hmm. from cooper yeah and I, that's pretty much all the classes have been like with them but it's yeah, it's, it's, it's good to do Jaeger is, is all about mindset, uh, tactics, skills, mindset. So, or I mean, skills, gear. So, it, or yeah, mindset, tactics, skills, gear in that order. So, Jaeger's class is being a gunfighter and then knowing that you're the weapon and then your tactics and your tools are insignificant. And because they're insignificant, he's more of like the. So the Book of the Five Rings, or is the I think it's Book of the Five Rings, where you know the warrior does not have a favorite weapon, so yep. people can't deal with that sometimes and freak out. You know, he'll drop his gun intentionally for reasons, and people can't deal with that. Front sight, you drop your gun too. It's just that people don't, you know, have a problem with front sight. Anyway, front sight is is massively. Um, complete i mean it's a it's it's um it's a lot of good stuff it's just that the way that they package it is very like it's like getting a lot of good stuff from like a 1960s 
stewardess. Like it's all packaged kind of oddly. So mm. the experience itself is kind of interesting. And I don't want to say it's bad. It's not good, but it's, it's not, not bad. bad. It's, it's just interesting. Different. It's different. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and it's not bad. It's just that it's so fucking different that it's it's sterile. You know, it's it's sort of, you know, they're they're right. definitely designed for like a lot of people. But dude, you're gonna do 360 shoot houses. You're gonna get experience going through an actual like Hogan's Alley type of shoot house. Those, those shoot houses are incredible. It's insane. And you're gonna do room entries and doors uh, breaching and stuff, which not breaching like with explosives, but like actually not just cutting the pie, but like having a little hands-on experience, which is in the context of like this is not something that we're recommending, but here's at least what you can do if you have to at night or something, and then. Um, you know, the potential of going down like the, the, the canyons and the one mile shot, you know, from the sniper hill. There's uh, just a, it's an amazing amount of stuff. There's multiple, multiple, there's what, four 360 shoot houses uh, yeah. you know, from, from more classes. There's an entire class of Uzis, like 35 people with full auto Uzis. You can take that class. Like, there's just amazing classes. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. It's like, like I say, it's like a, it just reminds me of like, going to an airport in the 60s like it's yeah, well, like it's a said, weird experience that's why i said it's very mechanical it's very much here are the steps do the steps uh you, if you're if you're looking for the whole you know psychological walkthrough you want to go to something closer yeah. to yours. but front sight man they did not hold any punches i seriously had to contemplate the responsibility of carrying a firearm after a couple of their lectures like they do not oh, hold yeah. punches they take you right to the line and go this is what you're talking about Yep. There's some gruesome stuff and that is respectable. I definitely give them a hundred percent kudos for that. That's not like all just the thrill, you know, it's, oh, yeah, it's no, not, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to hide anything from you by any means. I don't want to give that impression. They're going to tell you, you know, that as they walk you through the steps, they're going to show you every step and including the parts that you don't want to think about. Right. Yeah. So anyway, it's good stuff, but it's just, and you got to be, a member so that's the other part you, you mean you don't have to be i guess but you basically it's kind of like going to a timeshare like they are going to let you know that there's a membership thing and that's how it works and you what want to are and stuff so that some people get turned off by that but if they're turned off by that then they're not experiencing the like facilities there the facilities are amazing i mean the one thing i will say if, if you are going to come to front site uh and i encourage you if, if, it, if it's the training that's available to you take it uh call ahead know what classes are going to be available the day that you come. And I personally, my advice to you is don't come during tourist season because they do very big groups uh, that come in. The companies will actually send people there. So it's come during the off season. Yeah. But the off season is when it's a thousand degrees there. Hotels are cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went there. I forget what time of year, but it was, I mean, we're from Tucson, so we're used to it. But I imagine it was uncomfortable for some people, but it was, it was not warm. I mean, it was not cool. It was warm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but whatever, this is the desert. What are you going to do? So um, I guess we would kind of narrow cast into pink there, but uh, whatever. Thanks for chatting out there. Um, so that's the show. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, more gun chat. And uh, thanks, guys, for jumping in. Thanks, everybody, that's been watching the show. And uh, 